welcome back to the Behind the Badge podcast, where we are heading to Catalonia to speak to Sergio Martinez, the Head of Sponsorship and International Development of Spanish Football Club Espanol. I'm Callum Williams, joined by my co-host, George Harbour. Uh, how are you both doing today, uh, gentlemen? We'll, uh, we'll go to you, Sergio, since you're, the, uh, since you're the guest today. Well, thank you, Callum. I'm doing really well. Obviously, uh, we are going through a tough moment during the season because the team performance is not really, really, really well. But I'm really sure that we're up the new year and with some new uh, players that we're going to put on the squad uh, this uh, winter uh, market. I think that we will achieve our goal uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, George, how are you? Uh, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. All good. My end. Just glad to have Sergio here and looking forward to hearing from him. Yeah, likewise, mate. Likewise. Well, yeah, cheers. Um, thank you. Thank you, Sergi, for uh, taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, just as a brief intro to uh, to the, the, the listeners out there, could you uh, could you briefly explain how you got your start in the, the sports industry? Yes, I can. Uh, actually, it comes because uh, I was a really big football fan when I was uh, a child. So I, I used to watch as long as I could with, with my brother. Uh, I didn't do the degree uh, related to sport, but when I finished the degree, I just thought that I wanted to uh, achieve my dream to work in the industry. So I went to live in England to improve my, my, my English. And when I came back, I did a master in sports management. And, and after that, that wasn't a good period in Spain because we were dealing with the uh, economic crisis and there were not many opportunities. But just by trying, 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 finally I got the opportunity to work for MediaPro, one of the biggest um, TV right holders and even organizers. So I joined the company back in 2016 and I was organizing some uh, training camps and friendly matches for Spanish teams with a program called um, La Liga Global Network uh, uh, backed by La Liga. And I worked once with Espanol. I got, a, I got a, along with them pretty well. And two years after, I just joined the team. And how was that transition, Sergi, from kind of being agency side and then moving to a football club do you think that benefited you do you think that give you great more knowledge connections i think that uh, it's tough in transition because uh many times agencies they don't put in the shoes on the clubs and you think that uh how is it possible that the club is doing this it doesn't make sense and once you're in the club you know a little bit better how it works and and it explains why why they do what they do but um I think that probably working for agencies is the best uh, way to approach uh, clubs and then join them because they know how you how you work. You know the key people uh, from the from the club. So I was really lucky. I think that I worked hard to get my opportunity as well. But uh, I don't know if I would have ever uh, achieved my dream to uh, join Espanol if I would have been working for an agency first. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that completely. And I guess... Focusing on Espanol, it's you know been a difficult season last season with relegation. Obviously, that comes with some big implications commercially. And I guess to kick us off, how has that impacted your role? How has that impacted the commercial operations at the club? What's what's changed for you between kind of being in that top division then coming into that second division? What's been the impact? For sure. First of all, I would like to say that many people from outside, they always think that working for a club is like a dream job. And, it is a dream and all job, good, good <laughs> It is a dream job. But, uh, yeah, it, it is. But, but as you said, uh, there are well tough seasons and, and your your job depends on too much on, yeah. on what happens on the pitch. And and, and obviously, you, you keep working with it, working, but it doesn't depend on you. 
when you are having a early position, uh, work is so as you were saying, in to answer your your question, uh, obviously uh, the impact is huge. Uh, you have to do a lot of work to try to compensate the 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 cut down of incomes. Uh, in most of the contracts, we didn't have it. Actually, in our second delegation in four years, so we were we are pretty much a, a first division club, and we were not used to uh, get relegations. The the last time that we got relegated, it was like thirty five years ago. But then four years ago. We got relegated the first time after that. In, in most of the contracts, we didn't have that clause. But after that, now most of our co contracts, we they our mostly the sponsors they ask us to include a, a clause like that. So uh, they they have the the right to break the contract if you get relegated, or you have to renegotiate uh, better conditions for them because obviously the the the, the fee is is much more slower. So. Uh, I think that the two biggest impacts that we have is one of them is that we lose many sponsors and then you are not so attractive in the market to uh, get new ones and the, the new ones that they can come on board. Uh, probably they open the, the door for smaller sponsors because they cannot afford to be with a first division club. And once you are in second division, maybe it can be affordable for them. Uh, so that, that is good. It opens the range to new sponsors. At the same time, the fees that you are negotiating and the business that you are bringing to the club Obviously, it's much more lower. Um, uh, lower. I suppose. I suppose, Sergio, just for the li for the listeners listening in, um, you talk about like the maybe not many sponsorship opportunities from La Liga to the Segunda Division. Um, you're moving more moving more into a partnership uh, type deals. Could you just explain the differences between sponsorship and partnership deals for the uh, for those listening? Sure. Uh so just a little bit will be to explain a little bit more about the impact in first division second division. For example, I am in charge of the well of the international area, and obviously in second division, uh, like ninety-five percent of the partners, they are just national because the, inter the second division, the international league, you cannot you cannot virtualize the LEDs or you cannot give exposure to your brands outside uh, Spain. That's one thing. And the second is that the the audiences and the and the matches. Are not uh, play outside. Are not uh, watch it outside. So the rights normally in the first division is very international. The second division is mostly local. Lo that's um, one thing. And, and and obviously I think that uh, you have to try to work harder to um, make your clients happy. So I think that uh -huh, not only because we were relegated, because I think that uh, the 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 commercial area and, and football has to move on. Tide by tell to that uh, thing that um, normally we have been working on in the way that you are giving a, a, a your sponsor the goal, you are giving them like cash drops, you are giving them the, the shirt, and mostly you give them the return on the exposure that they are getting. So instead of being on the TV or paying to any paper to appear there, uh, so you are giving them uh, your assets and you can count or give a value to the exposure that you are giving them. But I think that nowadays, uh, with all the digital campaigns that the brand themselves can do or using influencers, they can do this probably with a lower end. So I think that the club, we have to re re reinvent ourselves and, and we have to move a little bit from sponsorship to partnership in order to become uh, another salesman for the brand. So I think that uh, one of the things that football makes best is uh, open doors and create a, a valuable uh, network. So I think that when a brand um, partners with us, I think the, probably one of the best ways to fidelize, fidelize them, them is to uh, open, your, open your network and put your network 
to the disposal of the, of the brand so they can open up other channels to sell their products. And I guess that sponsorship is kind of transactional and then partnerships are the value add, right? You're adding value to, to the relationship, to the partnership. And I guess that's, that's the difference between the two. I think it will be a really good explanation. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And um, so also, uh, Sergi, the stage front, uh, the stage front, the stage front stadium in Espanol, you've, uh, you've had a few opportunities for activations with stage front as the name and rights partner. Um, you've also potentially maybe some more open events outside of football. Just talk to us about that relationship with stage front in terms of bringing in um, additional um, events to the stadium and how that's helped grow the club um, outside of football, for instance. No, 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 yet. First of all, I would like to thank them for uh, uh, giving us trust and uh, support us despite that we got relegated. That's that's yes. one thing. I think that we, we as a club, we, we were blessed that they arrived in a moment that despite we were going nowhere, that we got relegated. Uh, I think that this partnership is key for the future of the, of the team and probably it will be a very good example as of, of future partners that other teams will do in order to maximize the potential of the clubs. So if you want to go a little bit more into the partnership, how it will work, yeah. So uh, they are um, uh, an American technology company doing tickets there. Um, they are mostly in sports, but they, they want to start operating in, in Europe as well. And here, because there are much more competitors in the dedicated area, they want to focus as well on, on events. So they, they partner with us uh, to put the name in the stadium in order to bring events to uh, our our stadium. So now we are in a situation that, uh, that's what I say that we are blessed to have them on board, is that we are in second division. Obviously, as I said, the impact on the sponsors uh, is really big. Their audiences are lower. Uh, ticketing, you, you uh, sell less tickets. But the, the stadium is a really great stadium. I invite everyone to come and, and visit the stadium because it's incredible. And the stadium is very valuable, no matter you are in third division or in third division. So we have a, a really good stadium that is their asset. And uh, it's true that depending on the category you are, your calendar changes a little bit more. Normally in second division, there are no FIFA breaks or the calendar is even a little bit longer and you don't have some uh, so bigger window in summer, but at least you have minimum one month of summer and you can make the most of them of them of the statement. So with them, uh, they are not so interested on the brand awareness because they what they need is just to sell tickets. So uh, they will keep um, supporting us no matter if we have first division, second division, just because our stadium is really valuable for them and key. Because we are based in Barcelona, it's a really interesting city, a very touristic, and most of the big artist tours, they uh, do a, a gig in Barcelona. So we are now in a position that we have a great stadium. We know in such an advance for one year, which is the calendar of uh, dates that we have available. And we have a, a, a partner that needs to do events in the stadium, no matter we are in first division or second division. So we are trying to build with them a, a relationship. They signed four or five years. We are already planning on the on the bands and concerts with promoters and people from the music industry and some international match promoters or other sports like rugby uh, to attract events for the next three years. So we are already we are finishing uh, 2024. We are like the time, 
but we are already uh, planning things for 25, for 26 and 27. And how is that relationship changing? Because I know when a lot of promoters are, are, are doing tours and that sort of stuff, they're, they're selling their own tickets, right? So you don't need that from a promoter because you want to deliver that value to your partner. So how has that changed the interactions that you're having with event promoters when you're having these discussions? Uh, yes, so obviously it has changed completely the way that we work on the, on the events in the stadium. Uh, we didn't have any exclusivity and any partnership on this area. So anyone first to come, first to serve, they were taking the stadium, they were paying for the rental fee and that's it. Right now, obviously we have to secure the interest of our partner. Uh, we have to uh, help them develop their business here in the country. So we had to be change our, a little bit our role and be more active. So we have kind of become a co-promoters with the, with the partners. So they have the, the financial strength and we are trying with the support of the club to work with co-partnering with promoters or bring ourselves the partners just talking to uh, artist managers or artist bookers and be more active on, on this way because only by doing this we have the whole control of the event and we can move the whole business to our ticketing partner that is a stage from because if you know how the industry works, when you have big promoters, most of them, they already have partnerships with with uh, big ticketing companies and our, um, our partner is out of the formula and we were discussing with them and obviously for the stadium it's good to have big events because the, the, the team is creating uh, revenues but despite that we are having big events that position the, the, the stadium if our, uh, if our partner is not getting revenues out of, the, of those events their investment in the stadium is not making that much sense so unless, unless they have a more active role on the events, uh, it should be a little bit useless for them. I have a panel next week in Holland about uh, the non-match non revenues. And, and I think that uh, the key for the clubs for the future is to uh, maximize uh, this area as much as possible for a few reasons. One of them is that uh, uh, the, the, the budget of the clubs, they always need more and more and more, and more incomes. I think the TV rights, they have been growing a lot and exponentially the last few years, but I think there is a roof for that, so there is a limit, and probably we are close to that limit, and probably you cannot keep growing at the same at the same speed. Um, second is like the the the, the cost of having a, a your stadium, energy, and um, renting, or having such a big facility in the middle of the cities or near the cities is huge. So you need to maximize the the the, the incomes you make from the stadium. And, and the third is like, you, you need to give life to the stadium as to at least to co cover this cost. I also I also believe you have, uh, is it more season ticket holders than Barcelona, Sergi, at the moment, for this season? Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> people, people, it's hard for them to, to believe, but, but that is true. Obviously, there are reasons behind, behind that. Yeah. Uh, I have to thank all our uh, loyal fans. We have a, a really loyal fan base that uh, they always give support to the team when it's most needed. Uh, so this season, uh, when we got relegated, obviously uh, we have to do very aggressive um, season holder campaign. So we, we reduced uh, the average of tickets for like half price, and and obviously we increased the number of season holders as well. Uh, Barça, for people who doesn't know, they have to um, move to another stadium in the city because they are furbishing the the, the the camp now, the Spotify camp now. So they have to move to the Olympic Stadium where we played there for seven seasons. But actually, when we played there, we had a bigger fan base than they have uh, actually. So 
for them, uh, they have around like 80,000 uh, season holders, but because they moved, they have around 17. So not many people wanted to go up to the mountain to support them. And we had last year around 20,000 tickets model, uh, around that. And, and this year when we got relegated, we achieved 25,000. So uh, we increased by more than 4,000. Obviously, this shows that um, the prices are, are very important, the decision of many people to, to, to come and, and enjoy, enjoy the team. And that's one of the reasons that probably it's, be, it's better to put popular prices on the tickets and on the season holders and try to maximize the revenues in other incomes like the food and beverage or fan zones or merchandise make the make the people at the end of the day pay the same but not in the ticketing but with other expenses that they do around the stadium yeah it makes absolute sense Sergin. like i said you know when we were in barcelona we were walking around and seeing kind of that loyalty and that love for the club like i said anyone wearing an espanol shirt um you know you'd, you'd see them <laughs> high-fiving and giving a shout out to each other which was fantastic but moving on from kind of the loyalty of the fan base let's talk about um your other kind of main partner riviera maya a genuinely fascinating partnership from my perspective um i think it is it typifies what you were saying earlier on of about a partnership moving on from sponsorship to partnership models uh and and value add and delivery and all that sort of stuff so you give us a bit of an overview of what you're doing with riviera maya for those who don't know it's a region in, in mexico um and the tourism board for that region in mexico but could you give us a bit of a sense of, of what's going on there because it's fascinating Sure, as you said, I think that it is one of the best examples to to show how we move from a sponsorship to, to to partnership. So we started with them back in 2009. So it's been uh, already 15 years at mission. I think that nowadays in football there are not many sponsors that they last so long in clubs. Back in time, uh, there were many more uh, brands that they were uh, with club for for some long. I remember, like for example, Calvert with Liverpool that they do almost all their life together, or we've been with, with Estrella Dam or Caixaban now for longer than 20 years, but nowadays it's, it's a little bit more difficult as well because the, the companies, some of them, they don't last so long alive. Um, so uh, we were with them uh, for 13 years uh, only by being sponsors. Uh, despite we got the relegation three years ago, they keep supporting us. We have like a personal relationship with the governor of the of that area. But uh, the interesting fact is that uh, instead of just being, as I said, uh, having the logo on the shirt and that's it and trying to move people from here to, to Ribera Maya, uh, they wanted to go deeper on the on the partnership and, and, and then we were thinking about ideas and, and they want to find other ways to attract more tourism there. So uh, now that we left behind the pandemics and now the tourism and the, and the trips, they have restarted again. So we gave them, a, we present them a project to collaborate, and then we offer them to replicate our training facility in, in Rivera Maya, alongside with a with a few resorts of hotels. So uh, uh, apart from attracting more tourism, they can attract as well training camps from professional teams all around the world. By having a proper uh, training facility like the one that we have here in Barcelona. So uh, there are already agreements. We are in contract stages, and probably by the end of this year, we put the first stone of this project. And we had a, a, a three-side partnership with the Rivera Maya government, Espanol, and a construction company. 
uh, and we are gonna build their, as I said, training facility it would be quite the same of the one that we have here in Barcelona, but with a few resources to attract as well tourism and to have all the services under one umbrella. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned uh, Mexico as well, Sergio, because we had um, Pablo Arquero from Real Batiste and we talked about their um, you know, growth in the Mexican market. Obviously, it's uh, it's aligning with La Liga's investment in international uh, growth. Um, but just in terms of um, Espanol's own, um, what's the word I'm trying to look for here, own um, ambitions in different markets, whether that be Mar uh, Mexico or even Indonesia, that uh, I know you guys are looking to break into there. Um, how does that balance out from Espanol's ambitions compared to um, the Spanish league's um, own interests? Obviously, as at least for the league's uh, internalization is a key uh, area for, for the clubs in order to grow as well, because normally you have done almost everything and you don't have so much range uh, locally. So I think that uh, if you want to keep growing internationally is one of the easiest, easiest ways, despite for a small brand like us, we are not global brands like Barca, Madrid, or Manchester. It's always not that easy. But I think it's key. And obviously, you have to uh, focus your efforts. You cannot be everywhere. So there are some markets that they are like probably uh, more interesting because they have big passion for football. They have a big population. And probably you don't have other teams that are working there so so hard. So I think it's important to focus on, on those ones uh, for the club as well, for La Liga and for Betis, I think, because they have as well Mexican players. And Mexico is one of them. Uh, Mexico is a really good example to work because we had a Mexico coach, we have a few Mexican players in the past, and we had one last year. And, and you notice very quickly results in the market. So, for example, last year, when we bought uh, in the window market Cesar uh, Montes, that it was one of the top um, Mexican uh, central backs, uh, the first week we were, we signed him, uh, we had like 50,000 50, new followers only from Mexico. So I think that the, that that season, the 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 the, the post with most engagement during the season, it was the announcement of him as a as a new player of Espanol. So there are a few markets where the passion is there, and and they are very loyal with the, the local players. There are other markets that they have passion about football, but they are ma much more uh, used to have players internationally. So you bring a Brazilian player, many Brazilian players in Europe playing. It is harder to have the support of the of the of the of the of the, of the country, but uh, the case of uh, Mexico or Korea or China, so those are countries that they work very well, and there are others that they will work very well, but it's really 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 difficult to find the right talent to bring to play in the like Indonesia. The one you mentioned that is one of the key markets for the club as well. I guess speaking of speaking of the right talent. Uh, you know, I guess going back a couple of seasons, you brought in Wu Li, linked to the ownership, Chinese ownership, linked to China, internationalization, focus on China. Wu Li came over. For those who don't know about Wu Li, he was easily the best, I think so, easily the best Chinese player of, of kind of that that era and that group of players. Um, talk us through the impact that had on the club because on and off the pitch because he scored some great goals right and he helped you get up the up the league and, and all the rest of it and I'll let you talk about that but what was the impact off the pitch you know what was it what was the what was the movement on the needle there sure 
I will give a few facts that can uh, show uh, how war, how well uh, this formula works. I think that for many teams, they have been trying uh, this and it works like perfectly. For example, uh, Son with with uh, the Korean market, uh, having Son there, it, it has helped uh, Tottenham to grow a lot in, in Korea. I remember back in time, Eibar, that now is with us in second division, that they had Inui, a Japanese player, and they even present the player Japan. The player moved to Betis, and Betis grew as well a lot in Japan. Now, Real with Kubo. I think that one of the things we pursue the opportunity to find good players to markets is not easy because in one of these markets, football is not so developed. So there are not many players that they have um, talent enough to play in a, in a, in a top team. But uh, back in time when we had Willy, obviously it helped that the, uh, our owner was Chinese. He knew the player very well. Probably they have they have a, 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 a personal agreement with with him outside of the club because he was a very well paid player in, in in China. He was one of the top players there, and and I think we couldn't afford to bring him, so they have to do something. But just the the first week that he arrived, I remember that some. Uh, the fact that we got there is like one week we grow uh, with more than one million followers only in Chinese social networks. So it was it was quite crazy. We were not having a, a content for the market, so we were just replicating the content that we were having there. Uh, there, and then we have to change our strategy completely. We start working with a local agency to create a content only for for that market. Um, I remember so other data that the, the, the first day that he learned, he made his debut with the team, we had 40 million um, spectators uh, in China. So uh, just for you to have an idea, one of the top uh, matches uh, of La Liga in China, it has an average audience of 1 million. So uh, so it was it was incredible. And, and uh, the second year that he was with us, he scored the equalizer goal at the last minute against Barca. And, and just yeah. by two or three hours, that goal was watched by uh, uh, 500 million uh, Chinese people uh, um, there. So obviously, this shows that uh, the return on investment for brands that they partner uh, just because you have a Chinese player is incredible. Obviously, if you have a Chinese player, you start attracting uh, brands immediately. But in our case, we had a, a really good player and he had a big impact in the squad as well. So he was playing with us for two, two and a half years. But the first year, he he was playing almost every match. And actually, I remember that yeah. he scored the last match uh, uh, when we were qualified for Europa League. So we had like crazy followers uh, there. We started selling more shirts all in China and in the rest of the world. And we were approached by, by, by really big teams that they wanted to play uh, friendly matches with us there in China. No, you gave us some great insight there, Sergi. I mean, yeah, I think it's because maybe the Asian leagues aren't just as more high profile as the European leagues. So I think they tend to, you know, if you get a Son Heung-min and uh, even a Kubo, you say plays for Sociedad now, I think they, they kind of latch onto those players, don't they? And uh, really help drive the club in a sense as well. So yeah, you made some great points there. But uh, just to wrap things up, Sergi, um, Espanyol currently uh, currently fourth in the Segunda division at the moment, if I'm, uh, if I'm correct in saying that. Um, do you, <laughs> I know, I know, I believe you. 
I try to stay positive, and I think that the, the important is uh, the, the, the last game week, so we have to be uh, between the, the, the first last game week, and if we, if we do so, I will be the happiest man on earth. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. We'll be we'll be rooting for Espanyol, and uh, I mean, any predictions? You, do you believe you'll uh, be back in La Liga by next season? We'll be soon. That. I, will, I, will, I will keep it for me. Yes, we'll predict it. We 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 think we'll, you'll uh, you'll be back in La Liga no time. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, you've been a great guest, Sergi. Uh, thank you for coming on the uh, the podcast today. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, all the best for Espanol for the rest of the season. It was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, and and all the best for the future. I I wait for you here in Barcelona. <laughs> I hope yeah. to see you soon. Right. Have a lovely day. Thank you.